We've been talking this fresh start series. And didn't Shane do a great job last week? Yeah. Didn't he really do a great job? Yeah. So don't be comparing me to him. He's 40 years younger than me, so you're not going to get the same energy from me. But um, I want to talk, we're going to continue on our Fresh Start series for another couple of weeks. And the last, we, we, we've looked at what could a Fresh Start look like. And we took it from this scripture um, in, from the message version. And it's 2 Corinthians, I can't remember where it is now. Sorry, my brain's gone thing. Now we look inside and what we see is that anyone united with the Messiah gets a fresh start. It's created new. The old life is gone and a new one begins. And if we can only hold on to that, that's not only for a once-over thing. Sometimes lots of us have had that experience of meeting Jesus or, or meeting God or figuring out he was real when we thought he wasn't or whatever. And then we had that whole, oh, and in church circles we call it the born-again thing or whatever word you want to use. In it. It's just you get to the place where you go, oh my God, he's real. And it makes a difference in our life. And then life happens. And somewhere along the way, you lose your way or you go in and out and we're hot and cold and we're all over the place. And, and, and the bit that I really believe God wants to say, and that's why I think he wanted us to do this all through January and even into a bit of February is, there's a fresh start for every morning. The scripture says his mercies are new every single morning. So no matter how much I screwed up yesterday, I have a fresh start today. No matter how much I mess up today, I go cold or I'm piping hot. And I'm having an amazing time with God. Tomorrow is a fresh start. It's new every single morning. So, so what I want to do is, how can we make the most of our opportunity that God has given us with this fresh start? And Shane last week showed us how to move from being a spectator to a participator in the power of the Holy Spirit. And this week, I want to look at how can we thrive how can we thrive as individuals, as Christians, as people who are following Jesus? How can we thrive as men and women and husbands and wives and daughters and sons and mothers and fathers and friends and workmates and, and sons and daughters of the amazing, all-powerful God? How can we thrive as that? And the answer, I really believe, is connection. It's connection with God and it's connection with his church. As a friend of ours has a church in Newbridge, I'm out in Mount PJ, and they have a big, huge banner outside the church. I mean, it's the size of the building here near the end. It says, connecting people to people and connecting people to God. That's their whole mission statement. And, and connection with God through all the stuff we spoke about over the first few weeks, the praying, the worship, and the loving, being filled with his spirit, and moving from being a spectator to a participator, and taking part even, we're on day seven or eight, depending on when you started off the fast today. Um, and I've been in touch with some people who are doing it and some people who aren't and some people who have fallen out already and so be it. That's the way it goes. But even that is about getting connected with God in a different place, in a deeper place and opening our eyes up to seeing stuff that we haven't seen enough. But a place I believe we get to learn and practice all of that is in his church. See, the church is Jesus' idea. It's not man's idea, it's his idea. It's his body on earth. It's his plan A to reach the world with his good news with his hope, with his idea of a better future for people. It's his plan A. There is no plan B. There is no, well, if that doesn't work, then I'll try bleh. He only left the church. And he loves his church, and he promised that he will build his church. And not only that, but he'd build it, and it would be amazing. Listen to this from the message. It's in Matthew 16. He said, I will put together my church, a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. 
a church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. That is us. That's you. You are his church. You are so amazing, so full of the possibilities of God that not even the gates of hell can stop you. Do you believe that about yourself? Is this church messed up? Is any church messed up? Absolutely. See? It's full of us. It's full of broken, messed up people. Of course it's messed up. But it's still his plan A. You are his plan A. When I was listening to Shane last week talking about being picked for the football team if he went training. Yeah, do you remember him saying about that? He said, if you didn't turn up for training on a Tuesday, no, you didn't get picked on a Sunday for the game. I was thinking about that and I was going, I could go for training every night of the week and I guarantee they wouldn't be picking me for the game. If they had team A, B and C, Kelly would be on F and they'd probably be hoping that the opposition got them. All right? I know so many people who think about life that way. It doesn't matter what has to be done, God's not going to pick me. Because I'm not part of the A team. Or I'm not part of the B team. I'm not whatever it is enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm not clever enough. I'm not Christian enough or whatever. It's rubbish. You are God's plan A. There is no plan B. You're it. Look in the mirror when you go home and go, I'm God's plan A. That's going to feel really weird, but try it. Because it's the truth. He has chosen you to be his messenger. He chose you to be his hands and his feet. He chose you to bring his good news to people all around you that desperately need it. And and I want to ask you just this one question. Don't tell me or tell me there has to be somebody in your life who desperately needs to hear about Jesus, whose life is in a jock. You're a messenger. We have waited for years for someone else to come and do it for us. And God has gone, no, your plan A. He chose you to be the messenger. You to be the hands and feet. You to bring the good news. He chose you to be part of hope. He chose you to be part of his plan to reach this area. He gave us a little boundary, and within that boundary, there's 20,000 people living in it. In Dublin 12, there's 80,000. There's 2 million in Dublin. There's 6 million on the island. There's lots of room for you to be God's plan A. Lots of room. There's no shortage of opportunities for you to excel in God's plan A, in your family, in your job, in your community, in this community, in this neighborhood, in this local church, in this part of his body called Hope. There is loads of opportunity. And you know how you do that? You get planted. You get planted. I love this slide. Um, Can I have the next one there? You will maximize your potential when you make church residential. You will maximize your potential when you make church residential. We'll come back to it. There's an amazing parable that Jesus shared in the book of, no, the book of Luke. I always say them wrong. Let me read it to you. And, and you can follow it in your Bible. You have a Bible, you can open it up. Um, it's in Luke 8. Or if not, it'll be up on the screen. Verse 4. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across his field, Some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. And other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. And still other seed fell on fertile soil. This seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. 
When he had said this, he called out, Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. And he goes on to tell them that um, they're, only, they're not allowed to know the secrets, but the others aren't. But just let me skip on to verse 11. And he says, This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then they fall away when they face temptation. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And so they never grow into maturity. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Deep roots. Remember those words. Let me read another scripture from the book of Psalms. It's not up here. Psalm 92, 12 to 14. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree, and they will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age, and they will stay fresh and green. Planted in the house of our God, they will flourish. Planted. Jesus said that without deep roots, people wouldn't last. Storms are going to come. Temptations come. Worries come. And they take them out. But those who are planted, they flourish. There's four different things happen to people who hear the gospel. One is they don't believe and they just move on as if nothing ever happened. Two, they get excited, jump right in. They're like, woo, everything is amazing. And the first time a bit of trouble comes or someone says something wrong to them in a church or it's not working out the way they want or the way they thought it should, they're gone. If you've been around church for any longer than a year, you'd have met all these kinds of people. The third kind are the ones who get stuck in, but they never really learn to trust God with their worries or their hurts or with their lives and their temptations, and they eventually get taken out. Or then there's the last kind, the fourth. And they take a hold of God for all that he has for them. And they plant themselves in a committed community and they grow. And when they get hurt, they bring it to God and they grow. And when they get frightened, they bring it to God and they grow. And when they get sick, they bring it to God and they grow. And the more they do that, they get envisioned by God to be more than they have ever been before. And they bring it to God then. And they grow even through that. And they grow and they grow and they grow. And they, because they're planted in God's soil, not just good soil, but God's soil. See, something happens when a seed is planted in the ground. It dies. Most seeds have a hard shell. I think I have a picture of a couple of seeds up there. They have this kind of hard shell. Never try biting into a seed. I used to put sunflower seeds in my porridge. I nearly break my teeth trying to eat the bloody things. Um, so I just swallow them whole now, and hopefully my belly will do a job in them. But here's the thing. The real life of a seed is inside, in the middle. The shell is just to protect it. But the life is the soft bit and the inside. And here's the thing. We're seeds. We're the seeds God is planting. And he plants us somewhere... And what people encounter is our outer shell. It's our protection. It's the shell that we grew to protect ourselves in the world. And it does a good job. It stops the hurts coming in. 
I'm just going to keep myself here, isolated in my hard shell, so then I can't get hurt. I don't have to worry, don't have to interact, because when I interact, I get hurt. And we have this shell up around us. And it does protect us. But you know what it also does? It stunts us. It stops the life that's in us from coming out. It doesn't only stop the pain from outside from coming in. People leave churches for all kinds of reasons. Mostly because they're offended by someone. Mostly by whoever was preaching or leading. Mostly because they have stuff going on in their own lives. And the manifestation of that is happening in church. We do so much work with couples, with pre-marriage and with marriage. And they will say to you, I never had all this crap going on when I was on my own. I was grand. And it's only when you sit and you have a conversation with them and you realize it's through being in intimate relationship with someone else that your shell opens up and the real you starts connecting with someone else. And those two real people are going to be very different. I love Jesus where everything that's in me. Anne loves Jesus where everything that is in her. You would think because we have Jesus and Jesus, our house would be all Jesus-y, wouldn't you? Be like, praise the Lord, happy Jesus, here we go. But her Jesus and my Jesus don't get on some days. There's something about us being in close proximity with other people that starts breaking down the barriers and the real us starts to show up. I'm going to tell you, the real us has learned to live in the world for a long time. With all the stuff that we've brought in with it. And it's so easy to sit and go, and, and I've seen this over and over and over again in church, and not just in Hope, I've seen it, we were in Max for 20 years. We saw people leave, hop from church to church to church to church to church, with the same problem coming up in every one of them. Guess what the common denominator was? Them with the problem. And who was losing out all the time? Them. Because every time the Lord went and said, we can deal with that here. Trouble will come, there's a scripture in, in Proverbs, and says, trouble will come as surely as sparks fly upwards. Or it's in Job, it's in one of them. God said we will have trouble. You're going to have trouble with people in the church. Because God will use them to wind you up. Let me just say that to you. He will use them to wind you up. And you go, God wouldn't do a thing like that. Yes, he would. If he wants to change you, he'll do whatever it takes to change it. If you're willing to submit yourself to him. And believe me, he wants to change it. We have a sign, no perfect people allowed. That doesn't mean you have to stay that way. It doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, but it doesn't mean we just sit in whatever we're in and go, well, that's the way I am. Tough, I'm not changing. That's not what God has for us. He has that room full of presence. You listen to what Will Smith was saying earlier on. You make decisions to move. The universe gets out of your way because God is in it with you. And he made the universe. The reason most people leave church or stay in church but just pull themselves back from everything is because that shell is alive and well. And God has planted us in a church. See, when a seed goes into soil, the soil breaks down the shell. 
the clay and the acids and whatever else is in the clay, and I'm no farmer and I'm no gardener, I kill things, God loved them, but the clay breaks down the shell to release the life. God planted me in St. Mark's to break down the shell to release the life. And it battered the crap out of me. But it released the life. And you know what? That's scary. Well, let me tell you about people who push through, the ones who push past, the ones who put the roots down, the ones who allow their heart shell to disintegrate and allow that life inside of them to begin to shine. They're the ones who get to produce fruit, hundreds and thousands of fruit. They are the ones who are flourishing and who are called to flourish. You are called to flourish. You are destined to flourish. You are made to flourish. If you're not flourishing, you're not living the life you were created for. And you know the only thing that can stop you? You. The gates of hell can't stop you. Jesus just said that. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. A church so expansive and so exploding with energy that not even the gates of hell can stop it. You are that church. Individually on your own, you are part of that church. Whether that's in hope or somewhere else, but you're part of that church. The world can't stop you. Because Jesus told us we have overcome the world. Hurt can't stop you. Because Jesus can heal that hurt. Whatever it is. Fear can't stop you because perfect love drives out all fear. Drama can't stop you because God brings order into lives that are submitted to him. So many of us live in drama. Bitterness, envy, lies, deceit, gossip, and whatever else you can think of that you have had done to you or you have done yourself can't stop you. None of that can stop you flourishing into what God has for you. The only one thing in this world that has the power to stop you flourishing is you. And that's a scary talk. Because it's so much nicer to sit and blame. So much easier to go, oh well, them or them or because of whatever, than to sit there and go, I can be all created me, God created me to be, if I just step into it. Nothing can stop you flourishing and being all you were created to be. Nothing. The only thing that can do it is you. You have free will. You can bring everything, everything to God. It doesn't matter what it is. He can move through any situation. I don't care what situation it is. He can move through. I have seen him move through impossible situations. You know, we, we pray. How many times have we prayed for miracles? We want to see miracles. We want to see amazing things happen. We want to see God raise the dead. We want to see him heal the sick. We want to see him give great financial breakthroughs. Do you know how you get them? You have to have dead people, sick people, and broke people. You can't get a miracle unless something's wrong. But the minute we send something wrong, we're going, don't let him do that. <laughs> Are you with me? God, God wants to give us so much more. And you leave here today, honest to God, you can leave here today and this can mean nothing to you or this could be life-changing. And this is not because I'm talking. This is because this word has been sitting here since four weeks ago when we planned what we were going to teach on. This word was here today. So 
you're sitting here today, this world is for you. This wasn't something I thought up on Friday night or Thursday. This was like from four weeks ago. Today was the day we were going to talk about thriving in God's house. And this isn't God's house, by the way. Your God's house. That's in God's house. We're the body. We're being part of that body, connected to that body. The only thing that stops God blessing our lives is us. Plant yourself in the house of God. Get good people around you and get around good people who are living for God. Not people who are gossiping for God. Not people who are gossiping about each other. Not people who are like belittling anything. Just get around people that are actually living for God. They're not going to be preachers and they're not going to be famous. They're going to be single mothers out there that are, that are doing the best they can to raise their kids. They're going to be men that are working in jobs and they're coming home smelly and dirty, but they're doing it for their families. But they're living for God. They're doing the best they can in the circumstances they're in. Get around them kind of people. They're reading their Bible. They're trying to live what that's telling them. They're not just reading and learning it off by heart and sitting in the same state of life that they were 20 years ago when they met Jesus. I want to tell you, I, I, and I, this is not very popular, but I'm going to say it anyway. If you're in the same place you were whenever you met Jesus, there's something wrong with the Jesus you met. Because you should be different. Because you cannot have an encounter with God without coming away from it different. If you're still dealing with the same pain you were, if you're dealing with the same sin you were, if you're still dealing with the same hurts you were, there's something wrong with the way your relationship is with Jesus. Because he wants to set you free. He wants to heal you. He wants to break us out into something amazingly new, much bigger than we could ever see. You know the limit of your horizon, or the limit of the horizon is only your vision? If you're standing on the shore of Sandy Mount, you can see so much of the earth you see. But if you get in the boat and go out 20 feet, you're going to see more. Go out 20 feet, you're going to see more. Go out 20 feet, you're going to see more. Eventually, you're going to see England. You're going to see Europe. You're going to see a whole big bad world out there. But that takes movement on our part. If we keep standing on the shore saying, God, bring the world to me and fix me, it's not going to work that way. Get around people that are flourishing already and be released into an awesome future because that's what's there for you. Be released into a destiny that's beyond anything you ever dreamed of. Be released into being all you were ever supposed to be. Go on an adventure with God. Be the best mom or dad ever, the best son or daughter ever, the best husband or wife ever, the best man or woman ever. Be released into the excitement of living every moment and every day for God and with God and in God and through the power of God. Be released to live and stop just surviving. Or stop just anything for that matter. We're not supposed to be just anything. We're supposed to be sons and daughters of the living God. We're supposed to be living an awesome life. Because that's what we were created to live. You have a destiny. You have a future. God put dreams in your heart. I have no idea what they are, but he put them in your heart. Because he put a dream in all of our hearts. And he put a destiny in all of our hearts. But we need to step into it. Get planted, get watered, get fed. And go and be a force that the gates of hell can't stop. Because that's what's in you. What do the gates of hell look like? They look like people. They look like institutions. They look like systems. They look like the world all around us that is telling us you can't do that. No, Brian, you're from Crumlin. You can't ever do anything that's going to make a difference in this world. You're too stupid. You're too young. You're too old. You're too boy. You're too girl. You're too whatever. Crap. God says, you are awesome, because I made you awesome. He said, I made man, and I went, 
that is good. I made woman, and I went, that is good. You don't want me to say you made better. He didn't. No, not saying that. That's not in the scripture, right? But what he did say was, I have seen it, and it is good. You are good. You are made in the image of God. Think about that for a minute. I don't think that means he's five foot two and bald, but it's like there's something in us that's in the image of God. There's no other creature in this. Do you know there's no other animal on this world that has an imagination? Like you. I said a couple of weeks ago, there's no other animal, vegetation, or anything else in this world that sells itself short either, except human beings. For all we have and all the potential we have in life, we're the only ones who sell ourselves short. God is saying, stop. Please stop selling yourself short. I have so much more for you. I want to finish with a really simple little illustration. See the way the shell has to break open and the little leaf comes out of the top and the root comes out of the bottom? The next one, please, is an apple seed. I, had an, I have an apple seed here, but it's tiny. That's not my hands, but it looks kind of similar. Um, and the apple seed is, is the same, okay? Tiny little apple seed, that size. I had to put it in a tissue, bring it in, because I was thinking, if I put it in my pocket, I'll never find it. One apple seed, just one apple seed, can produce an apple tree. Okay? One apple seed. That little apple seed, in the right conditions, can produce an apple tree. I've done a little bit of research on this. One apple tree can produce up to 200 kilos of apples a year and can live for 30 years producing, if it's done right. That's a potential 6,000 kilos of apples. 6,000 kilos of apples, okay? The average weight of an apple is 150 grams. That's 40,000 apples. So that little seed has the power inside of it in the right conditions to produce 40,000 apples. That tiny little seed, okay? One life, wholly surrendered to God. Planted in the family and house of God can do so much more and produce 40,000 apples. Why not be that life? Why not be that life? There's going to be a bit of music playing on the next slide for a minute. I'm going to pray, but I want to ask you, would you just sit? Just sit for a minute with God. And just go, God, what is that dream that you placed inside of me? What is the life? See that? Even that little apple seed has a hard shell. And if I put it in a, in a, in a pot of compost, the compost is going to break down the shell and release the life that's inside of it. God has placed you in compost somewhere. That doesn't sound very inviting, but he has. But that compost is the body of Christ. He's placed us with other people who are following him for to allow the rubbing off of each other to break down the hard shell so that we can have the life that's inside of us released to go and make a difference in this world. To release the potential that's inside every single one of us. To be the change that we want to see in this world. To produce 40,000 new lives who are also going out and producing 40,000 new lives. So just take a minute and then I'll pray.
Lord, that you would just release inside every single person in this room. That you would release the life that is in that seed. That inside of them, the fire of your Holy Spirit would burn. That rivers of living water would flow from them. That they would bring life to everywhere they walk. That everywhere their footsteps they would take ground for the kingdom of God. That every life that they rub off of, that they would breathe life into that life. That they would be part of the compost for breaking down other people's hard shells, but that they would also allow themselves to have their own shell broken down. That they would be set free to be all you created them to be. that they would know the empowerment of your Holy Spirit as you bring them into fresh new lands, into green pastures, into places of rest and adventure. God, let your spirit run free in this place. Come and touch us, I pray. Set us free. Set us free to be the sons and daughters we were meant to be. For to you belongs the glory, Lord, and to you belongs the power. And by your power and by your spirit, you have set the captives free. You've broken the chains. And Lord, whatever chains right now and, and this, I don't know, this might be a word for one of you, but if you sense that your heart is bound up in chains, and the chains can be anything, anything from the past that's holding on and keeping that shell up there and keeping it zipped up tight, so I'm not letting that nelson in there to hurt me anymore. I want to tell you right now, God wants to open that zip up for you. He wants to take them chains away. He wants to set you free. And yes, it's scary, and yes, it's dangerous, because you need to be vulnerable. To let life out, you have to be willing to possibly let pain in. But the grace of God is bigger than anything you have ever faced in your life before and anything you ever will face. His power is available, His grace is available, and His love is available. It's a matter of you stepping into that place and going, you know what? You can have it all, God. You can have it all. So, Father, I pray if that, if that is for somebody here this morning, that that would sink deep down into their hearts. And from this moment on, they would live with a mindset of letting you have it all. And that you would plant them in God's soil, Lord. Whether it be in this group here or in a different one, but you plant them in God's soil. 
and that I would grow through the fellowship of other believers, through the studying of your word, and through the empowerment of your Holy Spirit. And I ask it for your glory, Lord. And I pray a blessing over everyone in this room. I pray you bless them this week and that they would have the most amazing week ever. And I ask it in your name. Amen.